We are in the uh, last couple of Sundays in our sermon series called Room to Grow. Uh, And the last topic that we're covering in this series is Room to Grow in Generosity. So uh, next Sunday, we're going to ask you to uh, if you are uh, if you are a member, a regular attender, if you're part of the Green Tree family, if you're a visitor and you're one of your critiques of churches, they always talk about money. You have horrendous timing because we're going to talk about money this week and next week. Come back after that, and, and the subjects will change. But if you're part of the Green Tree family, what we'd like for you to do, what we're all going to do, hopefully, is take this home, pray about it, think about it, fill it out, and bring it back next Sunday, and we will make our our promised for our giving for the next year. Uh, so that's, uh, that's our, our plan. Uh, you can take a look at those booklets. If the sermon drags on, it'll give you something uh, good to read, uh, but hopefully you can uh, look at it later on this afternoon. Now, I know some of you are like, you know, we get the whole giving thing. Just give us the pledge cards, you know, kind of leave us alone and, and let us have at it. We don't, we don't need a whole bunch of sermons on this. And I used to think that way myself. Truth be told, uh, when I was younger in the pastorate, I uh, I could say I disliked preaching about finances, but that wouldn't be strong enough. I really did hate it. Uh, there was nothing about it that resonated. It wasn't that I didn't believe God's word to be true about giving. I just knew the culture in which I lived and how intense people can get and how uptight people can get when you begin to talk about finances. And I'm kind of like most folks. I like folks to like me, not dislike me. And you start talking to people about uh, finances, and that, that can flip pretty quickly. So it made me nervous, it made me fearful, and I didn't really enjoy it very much at all. But that has all changed. Uh, I don't think it's just that I'm getting older. I, I believe that I have the opportunity to serve in a church where generosity has actually been taught to me. I believe that I've learned more from the congregation about God's generosity than you've ever learned from me. So I feel like I need to kind of try to, to pay back what you have, have blessed me uh, in understanding. Recently, we did the, uh, the preschool scholarships and raised almost twice as much as was needed. And I saw that really as God's gift to us of allowing us to be generous in uh, that way. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that uh, as I work with church planters around the country, one of the things that scares them the most is talking to people about investing financially in their churches. And I said, so if any of you want to kind of mess with them a little bit along with me, I'll be happy to give you a name and you can send them uh, a contribution. And the idea was to do it anonymously, although with electronic giving, that's virtually impossible. Uh, but literally uh, over two dozen of you took me up on that and you taught me about generosity once again. So uh, hopefully what I will do the Sunday, next Sunday is maybe uh, reinforce uh, and offer uh, support to the generosity I already see. By the way, some of my church planters uh, emailed me and they're like, hey, uh, do you know so-and-so and and -and so-and-so from St. Louis? I have no idea who they are and they just gave a gift to our congregation. I just said, oh, praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And moved on with my day and they're still sitting there scratching their heads. They're not always the sharpest pencils in the box, but they'll figure it out eventually. But we, mission accomplished. Uh, we were able to invest in God's kingdom and we messed with him just a little bit. So this morning, we're going to look at, at one verse. Yes, that's right. Just one verse. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. And I know for a lot of you immediately like, oh my gosh, that is phenomenal. Tom's going to just preach on one verse. How long could that possibly take? Right? <laughs> to which I respond, <laughs> just watch. 
might not be as short as you thought. But this is a rich and full verse. And as we consider room to grow in generosity this morning, I think it comes right to the point. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, hear the word of God. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we have thankful hearts this morning, uh, whether we've stopped to think about it or not. Uh, We may have rushed to church. We may have been a bit out of sorts as we came in, uh, may have had a lively conversation on the way to church. But Lord, when we we stop and we think about it, uh, it leads us to gratitude. Lord, we're not fearful this morning of someone... uh, from our government shutting us down because we don't have the right to worship. Father, we're thankful for our veterans. We're thankful for the government. Uh, We're thankful for our founding fathers who uh, wanted to ensure a freedom of speech, freedom of worship, so that we can argue with each other about freedom of speech and freedom of worship. But Father, we thank you for those things. We thank you that you have blessed us with a warm room on a chilly, rainy morning. Thank you that you have blessed us with uh, fellow believers who walk alongside us in your grace. Father, we thank you if if we're not a believer this morning that we can go to a place and maybe think about that a little bit. Father, we we have many reasons, too many to count. So Lord, we just want to say thank you and we want to say please grow generosity, your generosity in our hearts and minds. Father, what I have to say this morning isn't important. What you have to say is eternally important. So we pray that your word would reach into our hearts and our minds and would do the work for which you intend it. Forgive my sin, Lord. Please don't let me stand in the way of your teaching. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon and sentence is pretty short and to the point this morning. Jesus' disciples need God's grace in order to grow in generosity. So a couple things about that as we kick off. First of all, there are a lot of folks in the world that from a human perspective can be very generous and be an atheist or an agnostic, have nothing to do with God. But we're not talking about human generosity. We're not talking about how we compare to one another because probably uh, even somebody like Ebenezer Scrooge might be able to find at least one person uh, whom he's more generous, right? But compared to God's generosity, how does my life look? And if I am a recipient of God's generosity, how ought my life to look? And so we need God's grace in our lives to take us to a place where he wants us to go, not compared to humans, but in response to his grace and his mercy in our lives. And I do believe that Green Tree is a place of wonderful godly generosity, but just like every other area in my life and every other area in your, your life as a disciple of Jesus, there's always room to grow. So how can we grow in generosity this morning? According to 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, I think there are four things that this text points out that are important for us to understand. The first is this, that God's generosity, God's gracious generosity creates contentment within our hearts. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency. The notion of all sufficiency is not saying you're going to have as much as you think you should have. All sufficiency doesn't mean this is a get rich quick scheme and you're going to be able to move up the socioeconomic ladder. All sufficiency means that what God 
wants you to give. And the manner in which God wants you to give it, by faith, you will always have that in order to be able to share. Sometimes we fear sharing or we fear generosity because we fear lack. We fear not having enough. Sometimes uh, we, we don't want to give because we have other reasons uh, to invest in other places. And we love, excuse, I'll put it this way, I love excuses. I don't know if you love excuses. I love excuses because you can sound really pious and you can sound really religious and you can have a great excuse and it all works out really well. You can say, for example, I- I'd love to give. That sounds great, doesn't it? I would love to give but I can't quite give yet because I don't have as much as so-and-so, or I haven't quite reached this wrong I need to reach in order to be able to give. Other times I might say, you know, I, I, I'm going to give at some point, but I can't right now uh, because, you know, the, the market can't ride this crest forever. It's gonna, it's gonna come down, and I've just gotta hedge my bets. I just gotta be, oh, so careful, but, but pretty soon I'll be able to give. Those things sound really good. It'd be, I think it would be helpful if, if we acknowledge the truth. And I'll just acknowledge the truth for myself this morning. You can wrestle with yours before the Lord. My truth is simply this. I love spending on me. I think Tom Ricks is a really a pretty good guy. And I think every once in a while he, he needs a little bit nicer cigar than some other folks have. And I don't mind going out and splurging a little bit on him. I don't mind reaching out to, uh, to my coffee guy and saying, hey, I might need an extra bag this month because I have family coming to town and they're going to drink my good coffee. And I've got to have enough to hide in my desk drawer to make sure that Tom Ricks has good coffee because that Tom Ricks deserves to have a good cup of coffee, right? I can come up with all kinds of really fine sounding ways of telling you how selfish I can be. And ultimately what God wants to do is not help me give stuff away. God's not interested in changing my behavior one iota. What God is in the business of doing is something much more miraculous than that, right? Pavlov showed that you can change behavior if you want to work at it hard enough. What God does is he wants to change the human heart, the hardest rock on the planet. God wants to break down my stony selfishness and he wants to give me a heart of contentment. He wants me to rest in him. He wants me to trust in him and be content in where he leads me. And so this, this notion of you know, fine sounding excuses doesn't really wash when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna put this passage on the screen, but I am gonna read it to you out of Luke Chapter 12, Jesus told them a story saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich towards God. I am really good at building bigger barns. That's my knee-jerk reaction. When I have the opportunity to be generous or to to spend on myself, I, I tend to look to Tom's needs before I look to anyone else's. Perhaps you're the story 
of a businessman in a, in a particular community, and he had made a lot of money. He had made, he had made a whole bunch of money. He was a multi, multi-millionaire. And the woman who was leading the, the campaign for the United Way that year went to his office. But before she went to his office, she did some research. And she found out that he never really gave any of his money to anyone. So she kind of had all of her, all of her ducks in a row and she went in and she made a really fine sounding argument and helped him understand that why the United Way ought to be the first thing on his list. You know, this will be the, the chance for you to really make a statement in our, your first giving statement in our community. And this is it. She thought she had it done really well. He leaned across the desk and he looked at her and said, young lady, do you know that I have a mother who is, who is ailing terribly towards the end of her life? And is in great need. And she said, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know. He said, and do you know that I have a sister who, whose husband walked out on her? And she has four children and, and she's almost destitute and, and, and she's trying to take care of those kids. And he said, uh, she said, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I didn't understand that. He said, and do you know that I have a brother who has, isn't able to hold down a job? He's never been able to hold down a job. He hasn't worked for five years and, he, and he's virtually out on the street. Do you know that? And she said, sir, I'm so sorry. I had no idea about any of that in your family. And he said, so if I'm not going to give a penny to them, why would I give any to you? It's funny, except it's not, right? Speaks to the condition of the human heart. It speaks to a lack of contentment. And it speaks to looking for contentment in the wrong place. It speaks to a selfishness that is deeply rooted in our hearts and in our souls and in our minds that only God can change, but God can change hearts and minds. He can move us in a radically different direction. And I'm going to read other, one other encounter in the life of Jesus to you just very briefly. It's just a couple of verses out of Luke chapter 21, verses 1 uh, through 4. Jesus looked up. He was in the temple on this particular day. He looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. And he saw a poor widow who put in two small copper coins, which was about $2. He said, truly, I tell you, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. I don't think Jesus is condemning the rich in this particular passage. He gets after people about being selfish. Trust me, you go through the Gospels, you can't miss it. But I don't think that's what's going on in this particular case. I think what he's saying is he's applauding this woman for having a faith to believe that God will provide her every need. I think what he's seeing here is contentment at a deep level. And so she's able to share generously because she knew what? She knew that God is my provider. And she showed that she believed the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Father, give us this day our daily bread. Who do you pray to when you pray that prayer? Say, well, Thomas, the Lord's prayer. I pray to the Lord. It's not what I mean. When you're thinking about your daily bread, who are you dependent upon? Who do you look to to make sure that your family is cared for? A lot of us look to ourselves. And a lot of us say, you know what, I actually have to make sure that, that I take care of everything else before I'm generous because that's my responsibility. And we misunderstand that that's not our responsibility, that everything we have has been given to us by God. Everything we will have will be given to us by God. It belongs to him. And he calls us to be content and to live by faith. Secondly, God's grace not only creates contentment, but according to this verse, God's grace provides perspective. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, in all things, so not just in finances, but in all things. In other words, generosity, if you really want to grow in generosity, it's kind of a thinking person's game. You know, it's not checkers, it's maybe a little bit of chess because you've got to think a few moves ahead. 
You have to look at, at the board holistically. This isn't just about my wallet. This isn't just about my, my checking account or my savings account. It's certainly part of that. Next week, we're going to make a financial commitment to our spiritual family, but it's much deeper and much wider than that. Have you ever sat down and thought about all the things that, in a sense, are yours and how you could use them for the kingdom of God, how you could invest them in caring for others? I'm not, again, just talking about finances. What about your time? Everybody has time. Time is the great commodity of our generation. We feel pressured on our time, but it is certainly there, and we certainly make choices about our time on an ongoing basis. What about the talent that God has given you? What about the abilities you have that, that maybe nobody else in your family or nobody else in your neighborhood, or maybe very few people at Green Tree Community Church have that exact same talent? Have you thought about how that talent can be used to invest in the kingdom of God? Have you thought about your personality and how your personality can be used by God? We have lots of quote-unquote things. Why is this? It's because God graciously provides for us because he wants us to grow in generosity and he wants us to understand that all of our lives are about his gracious provision and his call on our lives to be generous as he has been generous to us. So I have a big backyard uh, and, and my, ba- my house is right next door to my mom's house and she has a big backyard too. So between the two of us, we have a really big backyard and I'm the lawn boy for the backyard, for me and for my mom. And this time of year, I don't complain about having a big backyard. It's wonderful this time of year. The very back edge of our, of our property is the Missouri Pacific Railroad tracks. Behind that, there are a couple of houses that you can't hardly see because they're in the woods. And right across the street from those houses is Kirkwood Park. There's a lot of peace and quiet in my backyard this time of year. I stood on my driveway yesterday, late afternoon, and watched five deer run around my backyard. I mean, it's really nice. When I complain about my backyard is when it's July, and it's 762 degrees and 100% humidity and the grass has to be cut, right? That's what I start griping about my yard. But you know what? My yard is a tool for generosity, right? Because my yard, uh, there's always, when you, when you have about, uh, about, it's little, about three quarters of an acre. You have three quarters of an acre, there's always weeds growing somewhere. There's always something there that, that wants to be there that you don't want there. There's always an opportunity to cut back on some bushes or some trees. And my wife works at Kirkwood High School, and she runs across students in need all the time. Most of the students in her life are children who live at or below the poverty line. A lot of those kids are football players, right? And that's not a comment about football players, but that's, that's the, the scenario there. And those kids get a chance to go to football camp every summer. But football camp isn't free. It's 100 bucks to go to football camp. And I'm not going to hand them $100 for free. But I have a big yard. I said, come on over and work with me for five hours. I'm, I'll pay great. I'll pay you $20 an hour. But you come work for me for five hours and we can both hold our heads up. I'll pay you for your work and you turn around and now that's your money and now you get to pay your way to football camp, right? It's a way, it's something that God's given me that I can put to good use for generosity. I don't know if you've looked at this booklet, if you've really had time to, to, to check it out, but the second to last page in here, there's a quote by Scott Holly, and what Scott points out is that, is that this, this notion of all things. You know that we have a parking lot? Now, I know not all of you got to park in the parking lot this morning because it might have been crowded when you pulled in, but don't gripe. I park across the street, and I walk over. There's lots of general, but we have a parking lot. And you know that God's given us that parking lot to use 
generously? Listen to what Scott Holly says. The beauty of the harvest party, this deal we just had a couple weeks ago, is that people of Green Tree come together to put on a free, fun, kid-friendly, only an English teacher could write that, put on a free, fun, kid-friendly party designed to do nothing other than serve the community and to be a great neighbor, just like Jesus asks us to do and be. God's grace provides us perspective. And that perspective is that all of my life can be given as a generous offering to the God who redeemed me through his generosity. Thirdly, not only does God's grace create contentment and provide perspective, but God's grace broadens our vision. Back to verse eight, which we're gonna have memorized by the end of the sermon. It's gonna be great. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. There's never a bad time to be generous. There's never a day where I say, you know, I'm taking the day off from generosity because today's really all about stinginess. Today's really all about me, me, me taking care of me before everybody else. There's always an opportunity every day of our lives to live in the generosity that God creates for us. We, we've been on a four-year journey. And really, when you stop and think about it, it's really, for those of you that have been here quite a while, it's really about a six-year, seven-year journey ever since we uh, invested in purchasing the property where the Alpine shop is. And, and we have, have given and given and given over numerous years. And many have given sacrificially and faithfully. And, and, and the guy who has helped us in our, in our journey is a guy named Rusty. And, and uh, he's become a good friend of some of us on our staff. And uh, Rusty has said to me recently, Tom, you know, you've been at this for a few years now. You gotta, you gotta kind of be careful because the congregation can, can grow a little bit weary. You, you can't press too hard. You can't always have your foot on the accelerator. You know, sometimes you just step back and celebrate and enjoy what God has done. So we're going to do that. We're going to step back and we're going to enjoy what God has done. You ready? Go. Okay, now we're done. <laughs> we're going to move on. I hope you celebrated and I hope it was good. When do you get tired of investing in something that, that pays you back in ways that you can't even begin to imagine? Let's suppose, and you're really going to have to use your imagination. Let's suppose I was an investment guy. And let's suppose I was one of the best investment guys around. And let's suppose that every year on a certain day, you gave me X amount of dollars. And every year on that, on that anniversary, one year to the day, I gave you your money back with what I was able to make for you. And let's pretend that I was able to every year, the worst you ever got back, the worst you ever received back from me was 30%, right? When are you going to grow weary of that? When are you going to stop calling me and ask me when the next time is you can invest with me? When are you say, Tom, I am exhausted from making between 30 and 50%. Please stop bringing these wheelbarrows of cash back to my house. I just can't take it anymore, right? It's never going to happen, right? Why? Because we see, we see a good deal, we're going to run after it. Friends, this is the greatest deal in the history of the world if you have a vision to see it. If, if you see it through the lens of God's grace, we have the opportunity to invest in an eternal kingdom. We have an opportunity to be used by God to change lives for all of eternity. That's why we're interested in paying down our long-term debt. I know everybody kind of gets tired of hearing that, that phrase, but the reason we want to get that off the books as fast as we possibly can is because I, don't, I can't remember what the numbers. Do you see how many kids we have downstairs every week? You know how many people in our community are in need of God's grace and mercy through the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're not done, not by a long shot. The opportunity to invest in ministries 
The opportunity, the preschool scholarship was just the tip of the iceberg of the needs that are in our community. Brian Roskins, our current church planter out in St. Charles, they're up and running. And I thought it'd be a couple years before God might begin to show us where the next church plant would be. And surprise, surprise, I think I've actually met the next church plant for Green Tree. And, and if God is doing what I think he's doing, we're going to plant in a neighborhood where we would never have thought about planting before. And we might actually have a positive impact on race relations in St. Louis as if that were a thing that maybe could use some attention. Brothers and sisters, the problem isn't with God's provision. The problem is with my vision to see it for what it is. And God's bringing us opportunities to have our hearts and our minds expanded to see the world the way he sees it. His grace broadens our vision. And fourthly, God's grace reveals our calling. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may what? Abound in every good work. God's provision that leads us to generosity is intentional on his part. Let me give you one other verse, and I am going to put this one on the screen. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. Paul's talking about Christians, about disciples of Jesus, the folks that need God's grace in order to grow in generosity. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's not by happenstance if you are part of the Green Tree Community Church family. You may think your spiritual family put the fun back in dysfunction, and you might be right about that. But you're with us. We're, we're together. Why is that? Because God has some things that he's intended all along for us to do, and we're the only ones that can do it. That's why he arranged it the way he arranged it. We're not somewhere else doing something else because that isn't part of his plans. We are recipients of God's generosity because we are to become conduits of that generosity to others. Does that include our commitment to Green Tree Community Church next Sunday? Absolutely. No question about it, but that isn't all of it. Most of you don't work at Green Tree Community Church. Most of you are, are out those other side of those windows every day, serving in your home, serving in your neighborhood, serving in your business, teaching in your school, wherever the Lord has placed you. And all of that is by his design. There's no coincidence here. It is by God's intention that we live in this generation, here and now in this church, in order to share his generosity with others. That is our calling. How will we respond to God's grace and to God's mercy? Not just with our finances, but will we allow God to create a contentment in our heart that allows us to say, I have, I have everything I need every day in my life. I have everything I need because it's God's intended purpose. We have a perspective that helps us understand that he wants us to use what he gives us in all times, in all things, for his glory. Will we allow God to broaden our vision to see the world the way he sees it? And will we respond to his calling with faithfulness in our lives? We're going to end the sermon a little bit different this morning. I'm going to close this in prayer in just a second. But uh, we have a story every Sunday that we're, that we're telling with us. A couple weeks ago, we, uh, we saw Brian Roskin's church planting story. This morning, we have a little bit different story. So after I pray, there's going to be a, a little three, four-minute video on the screen that is a story of, of generosity. We don't show this to Pat Greentree Community Church on the back because you're going to hear this person say, I'm very thankful and I'm very blessed for what people at Greentree have done. We're, we're, we're showing this because we believe God wants more of that in our lives all, all the time 
in every way. And hopefully this will encourage us to A, praise God and to celebrate his faithfulness and to B, recommit ourselves to be conduits of his grace and mercy to others. So let me pray for us. I invite you to watch the screen. Father, we thank you for the generosity that you've given us. The cross of Jesus Christ is the most generous gift ever given. We could never begin to repay that. And you don't ask us to repay it. Jesus paid our debt. You invite us to become sons and daughters of yours through faith in him. But then as your children, you invite us to join in our father's work, ministry, to share the glory and the truth of Jesus with others. Father, we pray that Green Tree Community Church would be faithful to the one who has been faithful to us. We pray in his name. Amen.